Hello and welcome to the PE Insights Podcast, conversations about physical education with me, Nathan Walker. Thank you for joining me. You're very, very welcome. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as we delve into another insight around physical education. Welcome to the PE Insights Podcast. It's Nathan here. Thank you for joining me again. Um, I'm delighted to be able to welcome today's guest, Andrew Milne. Andrew was born in London and he studied at university in Staffordshire before going to Exeter University to do his PGC in PE. Andy's taught PE in London for 12 years um, and whilst he was in London he met an American woman who he married and then started his adventure all over again. Uh, In 2017 he was America's National Health Teacher of the Year. Um, and he's now on the board of directors for the national organization. 28 years into his teaching journey and he's still loving teaching physical education. He's got lots to share, very passionate PE teacher and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Andy, welcome to the PE Insights podcast. Nathan, you have no idea how excited I am to be here. So Uh, I'm so looking forward to this. Great to have you, mate. Uh, So let's, let's get started. So question that everyone gets first up, tell us a little bit about your educational journey so far. Uh, I went to a very academic school as a kid, shout out to the Latimer School in North London, um, and didn't get any recognition in the classroom. And it was in the, the PE space where I was acknowledged more than anything else. I saw success hmm. uh, and I was, you know, I, I got that kudos, that cachet. And it was through PE that, that led that pathway to university at a time when not everybody had to go to university. I was certainly the first one from my family. Uh, and I only stayed on in school because I wanted to continue playing sports. I, actually, I had um, interviews lined up with banks in the city at the age of 16. And someone said, no, but you, if you go now, you'll never, you know, you'll stop playing sports. Mm-hmm. So basketball took me to Staffordshire, Staffordshire Polytechnic, which is now a university. Uh, graduated from there with a sports and recreation degree, which was very wide and didn't go particularly deep. Didn't know where I wanted to go, um, but thought I'd want to continue playing sports. So I did a PGCE down in Exeter, had a phenomenal 12 months down there. Um, and then stumbled into teaching. And it was only once I started teaching in South London that I thought maybe this is what I'm, I'm destined for. I think this is, my, this is my thing. And I did uh, three years in my first school. It was a small school. By the end of the three years, I knew all of the students. I knew the entire community. Uh, and then I got a job at another local school. Shout out to Vic Goddard, who I know is quite a prestigious uh, headmaster mm. now in the UK. And Vic grabbed me over and took me to Cheam High School. Mm. Uh, seven years in, I started to get jaded. I got jaded with the politics of, of PE. I saw the way that young teachers were being t- uh, treated. I didn't mm. like the way PE was being squeezed out of the, the timetable. So I actually took a career break. Um, I jumped into the business world seeking money. And although the money was there, the financial reward, uh, sorry, the emotional reward wasn't. Mm. And I'd make these big bonuses and I'd, I'd land these jobs for people. And, and my coworkers couldn't work out why I wasn't excited. <laughs> and when you've taught a blind kid to head a soccer ball or you've taught a boy with no hands to swim, like you cannot put a value on that. Yeah. So I came back to teaching, uh, ended up at Dulwich College in South London, prestigious boys uh, or boys school. Mm. Absolutely loved it. Loved being uh, a single a single guy in London, working in a particularly male environment. And it was the job of my dreams. I'd have stayed there for the rest of my life till mm. I bumped into an American girl in a bar. And one thing led to another. And <laughs> I sold the house, quit the dream job and uh, came over to the States. So I've been over in America now for about 15 years, 
hence the slightly weird accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and now find myself teaching at an extremely well-resourced school. Um, it's uh, freshmen through to seniors. There's 4,000 students over two campuses. Um, and we just got a $75 million uh, refit of our PE space. That's wow. so good. I urge everybody to go onto, onto the internet and check out new Trier High School's uh, new facilities. And now, and now that's it. I want to teach here. I tell my students I want to stay here uh, for the rest of my career. I want to mm-hmm. teach their kids when they come through or their, their uh, cousins, their, their nephews, uh, because I, I'm respected. I'm in a department of 32. So I'm surrounded wow. by excellence. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at my job. And yet I look across the, the PE office and there's another National Health Teacher of the Year sitting opposite me. And then down in the basement, there's two National Dance Teachers of the Year. There's, I'm working alongside coaches who are like, I've got the most winningest baseball coach in Illinois history. Uh, my, the woman I sit next to just finished her 35th year of field hockey and has won like 16 uh, Illinois titles. So I'm surrounded by excellence and mm. I flourish in that environment. Wow. So physical education, why is it important to you and, and young people? I think it's twofold really. For me, it's been... Um, it's been the, the thing that's opened doors. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, it's where I, I got success. For me, it was the, the excuse to go to college. Um, through that, meeting new people, joining new sports teams, uh, then led to travel. And I've been fortunate enough to coach mm-hmm. basketball in, on four different continents. Uh, if, I wasn't, if it wasn't for PE, I wouldn't be living where I am right now. So it definitely opened the doors for me. Mm-hmm. I was very competitive, uh, played basketball at university, also ran a little bit of track and field as well. Um, but we know now that the, the many benefits that come with moving regularly and, uh, and, and moving with others and moving in different locations is so very, very beneficial for the physical health, the social health, the mental health of students. Mm-hmm. And so I think that now, 28 years into my career, if I say, why is PE so important? A first year teacher, me would have said, well, of course, because you want to win, right? You want to win. You want to be the best badminton player in the class and you want to you want to be the best footballer so you can go and play for Crystal Palace or go and play for Fulham. Mm. And I was really serving the one percent of the classroom. And I found myself gravitating towards the kids who looked like me and played like me and won like me. Mm. And if I think back now and reflect, there would have been things I did and things I said to, to kids then that I would be, I'd be mortally embarrassed. I was a very old school PE teacher. And it's only through the experience, the length of service, the working in six or seven different schools, the travel around the world, that I, now I realize that, that PE is less about competition. It's more about collaboration, right? It's, more, it's not about beating everybody. It's about working alongside with and working with each other. And I think, and this probably comes to, you know, what advice do I give? But we have to play the long game now. It's not about trying to create the next elite athlete or trying to create the ne- I used to think if a student said to me, I want to be a PE teacher when I grow up, my job was done. Yes, I've got another mini me. Now, you know, my job is done when mm. I, I see those kids 10 years on, 20 years on, on Facebook or Twitter, and they're still being active and they're being active with their families, you know, and they're sending you postcards from different parts of the world. I think that's the joy of PE now is that it's so very beneficial for so many areas of your health um, that without it, you do yourself a disservice and you take away opportunities to meet new people, have new experiences, uh, you know, be active and get get everything that comes with that joy of movement. 
That's amazing. I I don't know how often people reflect on their their journey as to you know when they first started their philosophy and and their change in philosophy throughout their teaching career. But obviously that's that's led to you to to read and explore different approaches to teaching. And obviously recently your your blog kind of kind of took off the the blog on meaningful PE. And um, what led you to to write that? And you know because you've been blogging for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the blog has been the blog's been going maybe ten years now. Um, when mm. I moved to the, the states, my big opening was uh, an opportunity to create a health curriculum and be a health teacher. Um, so I've been sort of pigeonholed as a as an expert now in that in that sphere. So when I travel, I get to travel the country now. I'm lucky and uh, and talk about things that I'm doing in a health classroom. But I've always been a PE teacher at heart. I've always been uh, at home in a tracksuit and trainers. Uh, and I've always insisted that when the, the, the timetable is put together for the next school year, that I've always got at least one PE class because I think I do it very well. And I think I'm different from many of the teachers that I work alongside and meet at different conferences. Um, so I've always blogged about health, but the meaningful PE thing was came off the back of my my professional goal this year. We're encouraged to set a professional goal each year and we meet with our head of department and we declare that goal and we work on it and then we have a recap at the end of the school year. And it's always been health for me. And now I, I'm comfortable teaching health. I've, I've picked up some awards along the way. I've been on some prestigious stages uh, and I wanted to go back to PE. I wanted to... Um, to, to, to hone that craft, I'm still on a journey to being the best teacher I can be. I'm still on the journey to being that master teacher that my students deserve. Mm. And PE is done differently here in Illinois, and it's done differently at my school. So to put things in context, up until very, very recently, just before the pandemic, it was compulsory for students in Illinois to have daily PE from primary school all the way through until they left high school. So you would have daily PE classes from the age of seven to 18. Wow. So when I, when I see people, you know, talking about lessons that they're planning and, and things they're doing in the classroom and in the gym space, they may be only seeing their students for 25 minutes a week. You know, my kids have had that all the time, every day. So I had this aspiration, this desire, I wanted to make sure I wasn't giving them the same stuff on a different day my students come to me they've experienced badminton they've experienced basketball they've had soccer and flag football you know and they come to me um in my department we have electives so you will stay in a regular phys ed class until you're 16 and then for your last two years of high school you get to choose what it is you want to do so where where i'm at uh, you can go down the dance track so we have four dance teachers specifically teaching dance to a range of different levels you could do yoga self-defense you could choose to do team games just team games traditional pe where predominantly boys just go hard every single lesson sweat as much as they can and they want to beat each other and those boys thrive uh, you could do strength and conditioning maybe you're mm -hmm. an elite athlete and you just want to lift so for the entire year you're lifting specific to your sports you could do individual wellness which is strength and conditioning light it's just like being uh, uh going to a, a, a sports club or a gym mm -hmm. uh, a gym uh, you could do lifeguarding, you could do sports leaders, or you could do lifetime activities. And that's what I have. I have the lifetime activity students. This, this sweet spot of students, they're not overly competitive, so they don't do team block. 
Many of them have been told that they're not good at PE. Uh, Many of them don't enjoy or haven't found ways to enjoy moving. So I get that group Mm. and I spend the entire year Jedi mind tricking them into (laughs) thinking that moving is so very, very, very beneficial for them. So coming back to the, the meaningful PE message, it was like, how can I find ways to justify what I'm doing? So I got maximum buy in from my students. Mm -hmm. So some of my students, they just want to get better at a particular activity. Some of my students are like, hey, I don't know how to serve in tennis. So I can take that group aside and we'll work on motor competence. So maybe mm-hmm. in my in my my tennis lessons, I've got one court over here where they're just refining their serve. I've got some some students who are like, you know what, I just enjoy the social life, the social aspect of being in PE because I'm at a very stressful school and everything's so very academic. I just want to blow off some steam and mm-hmm. be with my friends. Okay, maybe over on these two courts, we've got some kind of like joyful rally opportunity going on. Or maybe you and your friends are putting a, a warm up together to your favorite Taylor Swift song. So we're still being active, but we're emphasizing that fun and joyful element of it. And, and, and as a result of declaring to my students, hey, here's this, the latest hot thing in the world of PE that says that these are the features that make for a meaningful experience. Hmm. I now introduce my lessons and say to students, hey, today's lesson, I'm really going to focus on um, cooperation. All right, I'm just going to focus on cooperation. So everything we do in today's lesson, we're just going to cooperate and then we're going to reflect upon that. And then we'll come back and say, well, how did that feel? How did it feel working with others? What were your reflections? And then we move on. So I'm constantly declaring my intent to my students. I'm constantly letting them know that this is what I'm looking at in this lesson. I'm not necessarily looking at how many shots can you score out of 10 on a basketball court? All right? I'm not looking at how effective you are dribbling a soccer ball. Mm. In this particular lesson, this is the one feature I want to hone and craft so that then we can come back to that in a couple of weeks' time and maybe layer that over the next feature of meaningful PE. So mm. I'm hoping as I go through this journey that I can start to build up this bank of experiences that layer on top of each other, this bank of language that also layers as well. So that at the end of the year, when we sit down and we reflect and I say, what makes a meaningful PE experience for you? Their responses in that reflection will be so much longer than their responses in week one, where kids wrote one or two sentences because they didn't have the ability to describe what meaningful physical education experiences felt Mm -hmm. like for them. So the journey is going well. The blog post has been so very, very well received. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you and I have discussed in the past, I think there is a desire for more teachers to share their experiences almost on a day-to-day basis, the highs and the lows, the glows and the groans, the failures and the successes Mm. so that we can all be inspired. Yeah. And your podcast is doing that. So thank you for that. No, thanks, Andy. I think I think you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, we, we read a lot about things that are maybe buzzwords or things that, you know, seem popular in, in the PE community. But how often do we hear about what it actually looks like in practice? What what does it, how does this look in an authentic setting? And I think what you did with with that blog was was do that and what you're doing in the podcast today is explaining that in a bit more detail. You said you were working on Jedi mind tricks with with those individuals. What? How did you do that then? How do you change the perspectives? How did what worked for you in that with that challenge? It's definitely changing the language and changing the expectations. So, like I said, my students have already come to me believing that they're not very good. 
put them in a competitive setting and they and they freeze up. Uh, ask them to demonstrate something in front of their peers and they just don't want to do it because there's this fear of losing face and not being successful in that setting. Hmm. So it's letting students know that they all deserve to be there. Uh, I'm not judging them. No, you know, we're not here to judge each other. We're here to work alongside each other. My language is always very, very positive. And then I give them free reign to modify the activities, anything that we're doing. All right. I want to see you. And it's uh, confidence, competence and motivation. Right. I want you to feel um, competent in what you do so that you feel confident enough to continue and you come back to the next lesson wanting to be in Mr. Milne's class uh, and, and, confident, and I want you to be motivated. So mm. anytime, anytime I set something up and it's not working, change the rules, change, change, come together and, and agree upon that. But if you need a double bounce, if you need a third serve, if you're allowed to play off the wall, okay, until you realize that, that okay, that's working now, let's refine the rules and get maybe closer to what's, a, what's official. But I want my students to, to have that success. And that works as well. If I go over to a, a group, we're doing badminton and a group maybe how, they're off task. And they're just they're just rallying uh, on one side of the net, not even going over the net. I can say to them, "Hey, I love how you've modified it. Look how confident and confident you all look right now." However, I did ask you to at least be going over the net. So now I'd like you to extend it a little bit more. So there's no judgment. There's no there's no there's no letting kids know that one's better than the other. Um, and like I said, it's the long game. I see my students. Now I see them three three times a week throughout the entire year. So I've got an, a whole year to just keep nudging them in the right direction. Um, and, and I think it works. Do you think that's a, um, a regular thing for students in America then? Um, be Or having that perception that they're not very good at, at PE? Is that a curriculum thing? Is that a... A school-specific thing. I don't want to get you in hot water, but is that a you know a regular feeling for young children in PE? I wonder if my my students have got so many more hours under their belt than right. most. Right, mm -hmm. the, the last school I worked at that was in in the US that was a um, independent school, so didn't have to abide by the Illinois regulations. You only had to take two semesters, two terms of PE in your four years. And I think that's closer to the typical experience across America. Mm. And we've got more and more, um, you know, that we're being crunched for time. It's very easy to take PE off of the curriculum for a number of different reasons. You know, we want to spend more time on academics or we, we've got to get our students back up to speed in this post-COVID era. Let's, let's drop the PE side of things. Um, but I'm lucky that I, I've got my students in front of me. Mm. Um, so I, I get to change the narrative um, that's already been written for them. Because as you and I know, and as the students that I taught in the first couple of years, once you get to, once you leave school, you don't have to move anymore. And mm. I wonder if many of my my students back then in South London chose to steer away from, from regular physical activity because of negative experiences they had. And ultimately, you want students to be able to reflect upon the joy and the positives that they had. So when they go on to university, acknowledging that they're not all going to become uh, elite athletes, maybe they join the club Ultimate Frisbee, or maybe they form a hacky sack club. You know, I mm -hmm. want them to continue moving yeah. so they can find their people once they've moved away from home and they're in a brand new setting at university. Yeah, brilliant.
So obviously this is the section where we ask you to to share what what any points that you'd like to share with our listeners. We talked about the Meaningful P blog a little bit, but I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to to share with the listener today. I think I'm, I think seeing my my PE classes now through that meaningful uh, that meaningful PE lens means that I'm ever more tuned into the needs of my students, and I don't think it's fair to try and deliver a PE experience without the assistance of the kids that you're working with, right? Andy Milne, as a first year PE teacher, saw education as something that you did to students. I'm the teacher. I've got the knowledge. I would do. I would deliver this experience at you. Now I know that education is about working alongside and delivering it with the input of the students that you're working with. So I, I say uh, that we should be planning our lessons with our kids. Hey, what do you need to know? What have you already done? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Hey, I love. I love that competitive setting. I really love basketball, but we've had too much of it. All right, why not decolonize the curriculum then? Why not consider other team games from different cultures? Mm. Why not reach out to the outstanding educators in New Zealand and you know introduce Kirahi mm. or Tapuai, uh, as some of your other guests have talked about? Same skills, similar, similar movement patterns, but just a completely different experience. And because none of the students have any experience of it it brings everybody down to that that level setting mm. so now there is no need to fear that you're not good at kiarahi because none of us have ever heard of it so we mm. all start at that same level yeah. um and then you talked about reflection as well i think it's so very important and it's easy for me to say that now with my experience but i urge everyone to reflect on their practice what did work for you and why um, what are your students telling you about your lessons? Because maybe what you think has been fun and joyful hasn't been for students. And that reflection can be as simple as reflecting in the car on the journey home. Um, I have a 70 minute commute to school and a 90 minute commute on the way home. So like I'm constantly thinking about my lessons yeah. all the time. But then that might be just sharing a tweet Oh, you know, on, on Twitter or, or dropping something on Facebook or in a group that you might be, uh, it might be taking digital notes or it might be journaling, blog posting, you know, write about your experiences in a mini blog post. And if you don't have your own blog, reach out to someone like me and say, hey, can I share my words? Because I promise you people will lap up your reflections mm. uh, so that they can become better educators. So uh, I also, I, yeah, I was going to say, I was also going to say, listen to podcasts such as yourself because <laughs> they're but, 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 but because they're bite-sized professional development uh over here i'm lucky that i get sent on pd all the time and i get mm -hmm. to present all the time and that wasn't my experience when i was living in england and i mm -hmm. and i wonder if professional development has a slightly different view uh in the uk but something like this podcast is that you know i'm gonna make a cup of coffee in my free period and i'm gonna listen to nathan's latest podcast and just make a couple of notes mm -hmm. and then maybe i reach out to nathan or i reach out to the guests and say hey i love what you said these are my thoughts what do you think uh so podcasts and books for me, it's like Caroline Williams' move, uh, Kelly McGonigal's The Joy of, uh, the Joy of Movement, mm -hmm. uh, are two books that are inspiring me right now just to uh, emphasize that joyfulness in a, in a movement experience. That's amazing. And thanks for the plug, obviously, it always, <laughs> always helps. Um, so if we, if we think about, you've kind of given some golden nuggets there, but what would you encourage PE teachers to do every single day in their practice or in their, in their daily lives? Uh, play the long game. 
play the long game all right it's it, we we care for our students not only in our in that time that we have with them but we should still be caring for them beyond you know we are we should be interested in the stories that we've been a part of and when they go on to college or they go on to life beyond all right we we've we've played a role in their development so you know mm. stay in touch with your students uh, always advocate for the benefits of pe and sport always because there's always going to be a crunch and there's always going to be people looking to tear us down. And a very, very powerful message I had from a history teacher, probably in my first year of teaching, I think we were joking around in the staff room. And I said something like, oh, what do I know? I'm just a PE teacher. And he pulled me aside and he said, never, ever disparage what you do. Like never talk mm. down about the fact that you're just a PE teacher. And I swear from that moment on, I never even joked about just being a PE teacher. So we mm. have to always advocate and it, and it needs to be not just advocating just in our space, but it needs to be advocating for opportunities for over here, recess time or play time. It needs mm. to be encouraging teachers to weave movement experiences in the classroom as well and acknowledging that movement reinforces learning. Movement improves our mental health. Movement allows us to connect socially. And we're kind of the experts in the, in, in the school when it comes to movement. Yeah. So come to us and we can help you embrace movement as well and then finally just make sure that your experiences are good make sure that every experience is good make sure you connect with the students and use their names and then and a powerful story that i have is walking down the hallway one time at dulles college and there's a young boy walking towards me and i said oh good morning alex and he walked past me and turned around and called out and he said wait you know my name and it was so powerful to to appreciate how mm. how me using his name outside of the PE context was so very, very significant to him. So always, always, always get to know your kids. It's, it's connections above everything else that make you an effective educator. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a really powerful point about you saying, communicating, using their name outside of the PE context. Obviously, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to know students in, in our context, in our learning context, but just always communicating positively with them wherever you see them and just making them feel valued is, is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Asking them those questions. How was your weekend? How's yeah, your yeah. mum? You know, <laughs> I, 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 I saw you got a new dog this week. How's your dog doing? Right. <laughs> always just layering that story. Yeah. Um, so what, what's, what's working for you at the minute when you're teaching your PE lessons, what's your, what are your go-tos? What's working for you in lessons? And also what are the, the biggest challenges what's the hardest things about teaching I'll, PE? I'll go with challenges first of all so again acknowledging that I'm a very in a very unique uh, context so um, students are on my roster for for the year but if you're an athlete and you're playing for the school you don't have to come to PE class during your sports season um, mm. and that's just because if you're playing soccer for the school you have soccer practice for probably an hour and a half, five days a week, plus Saturday, plus you're playing games. So my, my high school students are spending more time on their sport than I ever did at university. So the, the experience is different and that could be a completely different podcast. So we give them that PE mm -hmm. time off to maybe catch up on missing homework or, you know, as a break before they go on to, to, to their practices. So right. that's a challenge in that you'll work so hard to connect with every student and then it's lacrosse season and then eight kids are gone. 
And then, and then, okay, so I'll work with this group, and we're ready, ready, ready. And then the, the lacrosse kids come back, and then the rowers and the fencing team are away. So hmm. wait, so you've been at look. So I'm constantly, constantly having to repeat my expectations and, and let them know that now that you're back with me, having not had PE for you know whatever twelve weeks. I do still expect you to work and remember the things that I was looking to talk to you about. So mm. there's that. Challenges also might be that knowing that not everybody I work alongside shares the same view. And that must be a challenge, particularly for yep. young professionals coming out of university mm-hmm. who have got the latest buzzwords and the latest strategies and they join a department of three that's so very set in their ways. Absolutely. That's a challenge as well. Yep. But thankfully, I'm given the autonomy in my space to re- pretty much run with what I'm doing. And then another challenge might just be uh, we've decided that we're doing badminton for the next two weeks and then I rock up to the gym and someone's changed the badminton courts to short tennis, which is fine, okay, because similar, similar. But if I plan the lesson, all right, you've now just thrown my entire lesson out of the way. So I've got these challenges, but it is what it is. Uh, What's working for me? I think what's working for me is that 28 years in, I'm still so bloody positive about what I do. I love what I do. I love coming to work and I tell my, my, I get PE at the end of the day, which might be the worst time for some of those kids to to, to ask them to be active. And I tell them, you have the ability to make or break my 90 minute journey home. Uh, I've spent the whole day working with 15, 16 year olds in a health classroom. You're my favorite class because now we get to move and I get much more from you. So I, I let my students know that we're in it together. We're going to have a great t- a great experience for this 85 minute period that I've got at the end of the day. So let's get the most out of it. Meaningful PE has 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 given me the intention. I think you just used the word intention earlier. I thought I was providing a joyful experience. I thought there were opportunities for for um, for comp- social uh, for motor competence in the lesson. Mm. I thought that was happening, but now with the intention, I know it's happening, and that's mm. that's so much. That's I don't know that 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 motivates me to keep going. Brilliant. And then having these conversations, right? Find, like, again, talking to you and talking to other teachers who are trying to do the best they can for their students um, and sharing and sharing our experiences continues to motivate me because I know that when I'm a good teacher, my students get not only a really good experience, but I'm also, and I think this is quite powerful, I'm creating young advocates. And if students have had an, a, a bad PE experience for the rest of their lives, they're going to tell everybody that, PE isn't valuable and if I give my students a great experience and tell them why this is so very important I've just sent an army of advocates out there mm-hmm. into the community yeah. to advocate for positive PE experiences um, who are going to have my back if and when we decide to cut a PE position or we decide to shave some minutes off or drop the netball team from the program I've now got all these extra voices backing me up yeah brilliant so so many powerful messages in there i think it was part of steph benny's work about them saying it's too important to be left to chance you have to you have to integrate it you have to be consciously thinking about it um i also you know in terms of i'm trying to put my you know walk in your shoes for a bit i i can't ever imagine students being taken out of PE to go and perform in like high performance settings in a lot of like mainstream secondary schools, that wouldn't be the case. Um, some it might be, but uh, you know, for the most part that wouldn't be. And what message does that send it sending the learner, that individual, that the high performance sport is the priority over the physical education, which is the lesson, which is of course more than just performance in sport. Um, there's a lot of tensions there, isn't there? <clears throat> 
It is. It is, but this is America. This is different. I'm a, a, an elite high school of 4,000 students. You know, I, I think the best, the best example for that might be um, we used to let our ice hockey kids get out of out of PE when they were in ice hockey season. Um, but there were there were so many of them that we decided to kind of tighten up our restrictions. So if you were in a club ice and again, none of this is going to make sense to you. If you were playing club ice hockey, you're traveling to Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana on a weekly basis, right? Every weekend, my ice hockey kids are missing school on a Friday because they're traveling to Detroit for a right. three day ice hockey tournament, right? Hmm. So we let those kids have, have, have PE off. So we refined that and day one, I've got one of those ice hockey students in my class. So she's like, I can't believe I can't get out of PE. I don't understand why I have to be here. Don't you know how good I am at ice hockey and how much time it takes? So she's with me in the class. She's the one that gets it the most. She's the one that literally wants to give me sound bites in a lesson because she thinks I'm going to blog and quote her. She's the one that is now so bought into this meaningful PE experience that she doesn't begrudge as much not missing PE. Hmm. That's amazing. So yeah. you've managed to you managed to change perceptions there. I just think that's you know it's a big thing, isn't it? A big big thing, and I'm. I don't know how how many of our English listeners would, would maybe be able to relate to that. But, um, yeah, crazy. Um, let's summarise. You've you've shared so much passionately about physical education. Um, so, can you summarise your your sort of key messages for the listener today from from the podcast episode? I think I think I have dropped quite a few nuggets in there because I, I have a habit of going round and round in circles when I'm talking. I love what you do. Love what you love your students and love what you do, uh, and if at any time you fall out of love with what you're doing, understand that it might not be that you've fallen out of love with education. Maybe you've fallen out of love with the setting, you know. And I've been lucky to have, have I'm working. I've worked in six different schools, and especially to those first year teachers, the first school you you end up working in might not be your dream job, and it could take a while for you to get there. So um, try and stay the course. I walked away from education for two years, and as much as I missed it, it re-energized me when I returned back to the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also understand that now in, in the, this day and age, maybe you love working with kids and you love PE and sport. Maybe a teacher isn't the outlet for you. And I see so many educators now on social media who are still doing great work, but not necessarily under the, the title of teacher. You know, they're working in the community. They're working in, with, with local universities. They're doing, they're doing other things to, to deliver that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my message. Just keep loving what you're doing, showing up every day. Brilliant. Andy, thanks for, for taking the time. It's early in the morning, I believe, over there in America at the minute. So thanks for filling up your coffee and joining me in the in the studio. Um, lots of takeaway messages for the listeners. And um, keep doing what you're doing, obviously, the blogging and, and being inspirational to, to your learners. Um, thank yeah, you thank you. Me. Thank you. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you to all of your guests that you've had. And if anybody uh, wants to reach out to me, they can track me down on X as Carmel Health. They can check out the slowchathealth.com uh, blog. And I love connecting with educators around the world. So I look forward to hearing from some of your listeners. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Andy. Thanks, mate.